Hello and welcome to the Pittsburgh Pirates Rant Podcast for a Wednesday, middle of the week, hump day. They took my trash yesterday. The dogs and the cats are settling down a bit. Um, it's sunny but cold. Um, speaking of trash day, it was Keller's start yesterday. We'll get into that a little bit later. Oh, uh, a correction on yesterday's podcast. The guy that the Pirates traded for that we've never seen that I'm not even sure he really exists. His name is Brennan Malone. You probably don't even know the name unless you're, you know, you really follow the pod, the Pirates with a um, fine tooth comb. But supposedly this guy had a good arm or whatnot, and we've never seen the guy, you know. Uh, we don't know if his arm fell off. We have no idea. Maybe he left the country. I don't know. You know, maybe he's on opioids. Nobody knows. They don't really tell us other than he supposedly was in the system somewhere, but I don't know where. Um, also, with the Murfranco project, it was nothing personal. In fact, keep in mind that Louisiana Ted came after me. Um, I was just posting something, and he said, uh, yeah, this is the same garbage um, where, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates ran podcasts, just box score watches and quotes box scores and doesn't know anything about baseball. So... I was just retaliating, and it wasn't so much a retaliation as it was just pointing out that the Murfanko project is different than what I do. Um, they tend to go after more fringe guys, really young guys, and fun guys that, you know, they're not really um, major league players, but guys that they like to talk to, like Jace Bowen and Bly Guy. That's all I was saying. I'm not sure why. Anthony took it so personally um, because there's never anything personal here. And there's a lot of wars going on in Pirates Twitter that have nothing to do with me and started before I even got to the show. So clear the air on that. Um, well, if we want to talk about Mitch Keller, it was a typical Keller start. I mean, you can make the case in your own mind that he's better this year. And he has had more clean innings this year. Um, but his thing was always having a clean inning and then having a bad inning. Um, but if you look at the totality of it, um, Mitch Keller has never been worse than this year. His ERA of 662 is the highest he's had. Um, and it is unusual for a pitcher to be, you know, they, to keep running a pitcher out there that has such a high ERA. But because he has those clean innings and because he has the ability um you know, maybe more ability than some other guys on the staff. They are going to keep running him out there, it appears. But yesterday was not too much different. In 4.2 innings, he had five hits and two walks, which his whip is usually around one and a half. Sometimes it's around like one seven, you know, and sometimes it's around two. But it was kind of an average start for Keller. Um, five hits, two walks, four earned runs, one strikeout and one homer. Um, he was getting more strikeouts in some of in the last outing, um, much more strikeouts. So you, you'd have to think that maybe he didn't have his best stuff yesterday. But even you know not having his best stuff or whatever, there were still the Keller apologists that just piled on, you know, and said, "Oh, it was just the wind blowing out." That was a funny one, or um, you know, he's getting bad luck again or something like that. Uh, I don't know. He's getting squeezed by the umpires. There's a million excuses you can make for a guy. But when a guy has like the equivalent of like 35 starts and he's got an ERA over six, it makes it harder and harder to make excuses for the guy. 
But again, I think this guy's like Victor Velasquez, where they're just going to keep giving him a chance because he has a live arm and he's probably never going to be very good. Um, I think Velasquez is still putting out a five or a six ERA. Um, So if you want to look him up, that's a good comp for Mitch Keller. Um, Other than that, I mean, still I get accused for being negative as far as um, what's going on with the Pirates. And I was thinking about it. I mean, most of my podcasts last year were very positive, if you think about it. Um, So there was no negativity really until the offseason when um, the Pirates didn't make any moves to better this team. You know, um, they I thought they were bringing a couple outfielders or something like that, like just sign someone who's not a reject. But instead, they brought in guys like Van Meter and the big fella and you name it. You know, they didn't really bring in anybody decent, you know, even though there were decent guys out there that weren't going to cost you that much money. They tend they prefer to bring in guys that are rejects from other teams. Um, And, you know, that's usually not going to work out because there's a reason that they were rejected by several teams in the case of Yoshi, you know. I mean, Yoshi had a really nice run. He had like eight home runs in one month. And, you know, this year we're kind of seeing Yoshi just back to what he normally is, you know. Um, And he doesn't even have any power this year. I think he has one double or something like that. But um, his at-bats are bad, as they were at the end of last year. So, you know, he could have known that going in. But bringing him back for one year I didn't have a problem with because the fans like the guy. But thank God you didn't sign him to a two-year deal is what I've been saying. Um, But yeah, I was really positive on the Pirates until they um, presented the fans with this just terrible 2022 team. And then that there were a lot of fans that were buying into it anyway. You know, like we'll give you like complete garbage, like complete horse shit. And you're going to buy it anyway. So why even bother trying to build a team? I mean, there's people out there that were picking this team for 70 to 75 wins when, you know, they were clearly not better than last year's team. It only got 61 wins. And I don't know if last year's team even may have um, overachieved a little bit when you look at the point differential or the run differential or whatever. So, I mean, that's when I kind of started getting negative on this team. It was more just anger on the lack of effort. Uh, by ownership with the $40 million payroll and by execution with Ben Sherrington. And Ben Sherrington just getting more and more cocky, you know, and more and more just like very like um, snarly, you know. Um, He just refuses to answer any questions, you know. And he doesn't care about anybody but himself. And when these guys answer, ask him questions, you know, he, he doesn't like you can tell he doesn't really give a crap, you know, who those people are that are asking him questions. He thinks he's better than everybody. And this is the sort of thing that was bothering me on Ben Sherrington. But it's one thing to have an ego like that, you know, and be that type of person. But if you're not going to even be good at your job, you know, then that's a problem. And now when the season started and I saw that um, Quinn Priester was hurt and that the system was regressing just in general, You know, that also was something that was a red flag to me, you know, as far as I would just cut my losses with Ben Sherrington right now. I wouldn't even let him do the draft this year. And maybe it's something that crossed um, the owner's mind when he had to get involved with um, 
not screwing over Brian Reynolds uh, because Charrington either didn't care, which is likely because, like I said, he's kind of a sociopath, like he only seems to care about himself. Either he didn't care or he just wasn't watching the store, you know. But either way, Nutting, who usually doesn't get involved, had to get involved with treating Brian Reynolds a little better because season tickets were just like the worst ever and continue to be the worst ever. I mean, if you watched that game last night, nobody was there. But, I mean, even with last night's game, you got the sense that they could come back. I mean, there were some positives there. They were getting hits in last night's game. And it's just that the pitching just kept giving up more runs. Um, Vogelbach had a couple hits. Hayes had three hits. In fact, he went three for three with a walk, a 9-11 op so far. Gamble had a nice stroke. Um, Kevin Newman had a good game. He leads the team with eight RBIs. Um, Perez had a big hit, and Suwinski had his first major league hit, as did Marcano. So, I mean, there you have it. Um, some of those guys came around to the point where they got 13 total hits. Milwaukee had 14 total hits. Um, but Milwaukee had the home run and their hitting was a little more timely. So they ended up winning the game 12-8. to um, But anyway, it was a game that I felt like they could have come back if the pitching wasn't so horrendous, you know. And it wasn't just um, Keller that was horrendous yesterday. This Fletcher guy hasn't done anything Hembry gave up three runs, and Brad Solcer was just obviously overmatched because um, he's not even a good triple-A pitcher. So there you have it. You know, that was loss number whatever. They're now 1-6 and six versus teams with winning records or decent teams. Um, they're 0-4 versus Milwaukee, and they're 1-2 and two versus St. Louis. I actually think they might come back and win tonight, um, you know, because usually when they get home, and they get settled in these road, these home stands. They do end up winning a couple games. Um, Ashby is a young guy that could um, they could take advantage of tonight. And Bryce Wilson is a guy that um, you know they could do a good job with. So I mean, I think if you're betting, man, you could bet tonight's game, and you're going to get good odds, and you have a chance to win. I think because the second game at home in a series is something that the Pirates generally do okay. Um, so if we go to the minors yesterday, um, and oh, Greensboro was just awful, but I'll get to that. First, we'll do Altoona or Indianapolis. Indianapolis won, and they got really good pitching yesterday, it appears. Um, you had uh, Bido, who was not a prospect, uh, and didn't pitch very well. He gave up five walks and 3.2 innings, but he didn't get touched up. Um, Cam Viok is a guy that could possibly be in the bullpen at some point. And the same with Eric Hanhold. Those are guys that um, are not too far away from the major leagues and could be in the bullpen at some point. And then De Los Santos. I'm not sure if this is the De Los Santos that we got from the Phillies or the De Los Santos that's been in the organization for a while. But he pitched well. He's a guy that could help out the major league team. Point is... Um, out, or Indianapolis only gave up one hit, even though the guys that were pitching were not necessarily um, prospects. Uh, O'Neill Cruz continued to struggle. He's batting 203 this year. Uh, he had a strikeout, and he, he had one single yesterday um, in five at-bats. Um, Mason Martin continued his good spring, or good um, minor leagues, 
Uh, two for four, another homer, another double. It's just typical Mason Martin. He's batting 328 with a 1.102 ops. And you got to wonder if Mason Martin is not better than O'Neill Cruz because I was kind of um, cluing you in to the fact that um, these uh, prospect lists don't mean anything. You know, it's just people trying to make money on prospects and they're wrong more often than they're right. Uh, in addition, um, O'Neill Cruz really just had that one good run at the end of last year after he tweaked his swing. And now his swing is back to, I don't know what, but it's definitely not good. Uh, Mason Martin is a guy that has always produced. In 2019, he was the best hitter in the minor leagues at age 19 and 20. Um, Last year, he regressed due to the pandemic. And then um, this year, he's just back to being Mason Martin, uh, 11.02 ops, just raking everything, you know. Um, So, I mean, he's been good. Cal Mitchell has been good. Um, but guys that you were hoping that possibly could impact your team sooner than later, like Travis Swaggerty and O'Neill Cruz, those guys have been really bad. So that's been a little bit of a concern as far as Indy goes. Um, Altoona, I was really happy with Carmen Majinski yesterday or Carmen Mladinski. Um, he had a really good game. I mean, this is a really good kid that started out like gangbusters from the draft, got hurt, and then struggled uh, most of last year. Then... During the Arizona Fall League, he pitched pretty well. And then to start out this year in the spring and in Altoona, he was doing poorly. But the last couple outings, uh, he has definitely improved. But particularly with this outing yesterday, um, four innings, one hit, one walk, which is an, uh, a whip of only 0.5. Um, and he had a couple strikeouts. So that was really good uh, for Carmen Majinski. And he led Altoona to a win. Sorry. <clears throat> Even though um, Altoona almost blew it at the end, they gave up four runs in the bottom of the ninth inning, uh, they did win yesterday. Um, guys that are doing well in double A, well, it was good to see Nick Gonzalez get a couple hits yesterday um, because he really needed it. You know, he had been struggling. Um, and Matt Frazier uh, got a double yesterday, even though he continues to struggle mightily. Um, but Nick Gonzalez got the two for four. So that's really nice to see from someone that we expect to impact our team sometime in 2023. And Lyover Paguero continues to hit pretty well. Uh, I'm not sure what his um, ultimate um, uh, thing is going to be because he had two errors again yesterday, both throwing errors from shortstop. So it doesn't look like Lyover Paguero is going to be an infielder. I think they're probably going to move him to the outfield. Um but, you know, but obviously, you know, four errors this early in the season is not good. And it doesn't help your pitching. Um, luckily, Carmen uh, Mladinsky, um was able to, you know, kind of make his way through that and not let it get in his head. But we don't know where Paguero is going to end up. Um, but it's pretty apparent it's not going to be at shortstop because his defense is just really bad. And, um, other than that, I mean, you know, that Scott guy, uh, he's still batting 378, but he went one for five yesterday. Um, so there's no real prospects that have that did well in Altoona yesterday, other than Carmen Majinski. Um, and we were happy to see Nick Gonzalez do well. Um, all right, I guess we're going to have to look into Greensboro. Uh, Greensboro was kind of a microcosm for what's going on with the system right now as far as um, regression. 
Um, Florencio, and Flores, by the way, but Florencio is a guy that we had as our minor league pitcher of the year last year. Um, he has an 11.45 ERA. He's 0-3. And in yesterday's game, he went 1.1 innings, gave up nine hits and nine earned runs, uh, including a bomb. So, I mean, that just goes to show you that we really have no pitching depth in this organization, you know. Uh, Majinski kind of projects as more of a, a reliever. And the only starters we have, like guys that are doing really good, are um, Roanzi Contreras, Michael Burrows, and Jared Jones. So you can't count on three guys because some of those guys are going to get hurt. And there's just no pitching depth. But the hitting has also been disappointing this year. Uh, and we didn't hit much yesterday either. Um, Andy Rodriguez, a guy that had a good year last year, and we were hoping that he would really do well in Greensboro this year. Uh, he was 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. He's batting 258 with a 706 OPS, which is not good. Uh, Henry Davis went 0 for 2 yesterday, um, but his numbers are good. You know, we'd like to see him in double A. Other than that, um, Sammy Siani is a guy that's we'd like to think of as a prospect because he was a second round draft pick. Uh, he went 0 for 4 with two strikeouts yesterday. His average is 260. And Michael Escato, who we'd like to think is a prospect because he's super young, is only batting 196. So this is sort of what the concerns are with the system. Like you would think that having traded everybody that we would have some better guys in the minor leagues and the major leagues for that matter. And it's just not looking that way. Um, you know, it looks like the system is going the wrong direction. Um, Cheng is a guy that really is positive and really had a good game yesterday. Four for five, three runs scored, and an RBI. He's now batting over 300 with an ops of 883. And Cheng is a nice story. Um, he's a guy that they had in Pirates Gold um, that, you know, he wasn't really getting a lot of coverage. Um, most people didn't really know who he was. You know, he's still barely um, touching the top 50 lists. Um, but he's a guy that just seems to know how to hit. And he's probably a better defender at shortstop than um, uh, than Laover Paguero, who has four errors already, which is just unexcusable, you know. Um, Jace Bowen, 0 for 4. This is a guy who's in the system. He's just a system guy. Um, Mojica, though, is a big guy that we we're hoping would do pretty well this year. He went 0 for 5 yesterday. His average is 271. There's nobody that's really jumping off the chart. Uh, in this system. And that's the problem because this is the year that the system was supposed to take a step forward and it's taken a step backward. And that's the point that I make. And that's what you got to think about is, um, you know, that's why this rebuild, it seems to be on the road to nowhere. That's why I would personally get rid of Ben Sherrington because I think he's over his head and his ego is too big for him to adjust. Um, just bring in a normal, um, Guy and the problem with uh, the um, having a manager that you know is bad on a bad team is usually not a problem, but when your manager plays one of the best third basemen in the game and potentially one of the best third basemen of all time because of how young he is, when the manager moves him to shortstop just for shits and giggles, that is very detrimental. To the team and a superstar player. And there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for um, Key Brian Hayes not playing third base. Or 
um, Kevin Newman not playing shortstop. I mean, you're just moving guys around for the sake of moving guys around. It's one thing when you put shitty guys in the outfield that aren't going to make it anyway. Um, But if you start taking a future superstar at third base and playing him at shortstop just because you feel like screwing around, very not cool, you know? I mean, you've got to get rid of this manager at this point. That This was um, a fatal flaw. But the problem is um, the uh, the general manager is asleep at the wheel. It's re- It would really take a move by the owner to just clean house at this point. And I don't think they're ready to do that. Um, they're probably fooling themselves that they're one game over under 500, you know, that the team might be better than last year. But I, I just don't think... They're ready to admit at this point that the Ben Sherrington experiment has been a failure. Uh, even though almost every year Ben Sherrington's been a general manager, he's been a last place guy. Um, we're just going to have to wait and see, you know. I mean, he did he did do um, a lot of good work in the draft last year. So maybe Ben Sherrington will put a good draft together. But as far as what we've got right now in the system... It's just not looking good, you know? And as far as what we got right now as the major league team, it's not looking good at all. And I'm not looking to start any wars. Um, You know, my apologies to the Murfanko project. Um, You know, I was just basically um, coming back at Louisiana Ted. All right. Enjoy your middle of the week. I think the Pirates might get a win tonight. We'll see what happens. Peace out.